You're about to listen to a recorded sermon and service from the Southside Life Station. Hope you enjoy, get something out of it, grow spiritually. Southside Life Station is a ministry in South Toledo helping the less fortunate. A little bit more about that at the end. We all say yes. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. I am cross, but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. time and then we'll go through Father in Heaven uh, we give thanksgiving of course you are an awesome God and you've given us way more than we can count for 
every time we stop to count our blessings, we're filled with a, a realization that we do have a lot more than we thought we did. We do have a lot more blessings, a lot more poured into us. And um, that's just a reminder of so that we have to do that all the time. Be thankful for what we have. At the same time, let me know we have needs. Let me know that you have questions. That we long to ask you those questions face to face. That our soul uh, longs to be in relationship with you. And we're grateful that you allow us to ask those questions of you. As we go to your word today, and whatever the questions are of our heart, we pray that your Holy Spirit will help us to be able to always pose those questions and to hear answers from you, whether I get it right or wrong, whatever I say, we're trusting in you. We will speak for the Alright, I confess to you that I had planned, I had planned, as I was just standing there, I was planning to share with you out of first Timothy, text Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, which I've been studying for the last couple of days, but the Lord just spoke to my heart and said no. So we're going to go to Psalm chapter 8. Right? Psalm chapter 8 was a meaningful psalm to me in the uh, in the early days of my Christian walk. It is uh, just nine verses long. And we will look at the whole psalm, but I'm going to cue in on just a couple of key things that are in it. But you could probably could study it for a lifetime. Okay. So... I have had the opportunity to travel quite a bit in my lifetime when my parents uh, were, my dad used to work for Dana Corporation, if anybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Dana Corp was, uh, trans- in fact, they're still around, but they're tiny compared to what they once were. <laughs> um, and they were making transmissions for various vehicles. And he worked in a number of different departments. And while he was there, they were shut down every year a couple of different times to retool or to clean and all that kind of stuff, you know, and maintenance and like that. And whenever he was shut down, we would travel. That's what they did. Plan, my parents loved to travel, plan ahead. They took us all of us. So, so we went to uh, Yellowstone National Park. We went to uh, Badlands in South Dakota. We went to Texas, Oklahoma. One, one summer, for example, we were traveling, and uh, the factories were shut down for uh, six weeks. And so my dad had six weeks of vacation without pay, but we were traveling. And at the end of that six weeks, we were like in the middle of fall or something. And it was getting like, okay, well, we got to drive home. It's going to be like five days. And we have five days left for vacation. So my dad called his boss and said, hey, I'd like to take two weeks of vacation. So in the end, we, we did a two month vacation and traveled all around the US. So I've seen a lot of things. Um, I couldn't have done that guy. That was a great gift from God. Um, I've stood it on mountaintops. Um, now, since. Uh, more recently, uh, when, my, when Alicia was younger, we went to the Hoosier State Forest. We were actually aiming for Mammoth Caves in Kentucky. Stopped in the Hoosier State Forest. I'd never been in it. I've had a lot of places, never been there. And we stood on a, a little rise in that park and looked out uh, at, at dawn. And we that we, which was unexpected too. We didn't know we were going to do that, but we were up. It was cold, and the camp was cold, and we couldn't sleep. And so we got up and made a fire, warmed ourselves up and stuff. And and I wanted to take a walk. We walked up to this rise and we could see the Hoosier State Forest, which is a huge state forest with a ton of trees. And it's mostly pine trees, and pine trees grow tall and green. And so what we saw stretched out before us was about a five, it seemed to me to be about a five to eight mile long forest in every direction like this. It wasn't behind us, there was forest behind us, but it wasn't, you couldn't see it because we were at a low level, right? So we were looking out over top of a forest like this, about 80 degrees. That went for five or six miles, and it looked like a giant green carpet with little snags in it <laughs> of trees that had exceeded the other trees. 
they've gotten bigger. But I, I don't know why that was. It was right now they're going to find a linear water or something. But anyway, some trees were taller, but basically it was just giant green carpet. It was like five or six mile wide carpet. Right? So I want you to bear that in mind. And then as I got saved, and I read these verses that I'm about to read to you, I put my traveling experiences and seeing some of the creation of what God has made and how I was in awe of that. I was already in awe of that together with these verses. Okay, so here we go. Gonna read it. it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens. Okay, so first of all, the word majestic, yeah. it kind of means like kingly. You want to think of that word like royal or having an amazing presence, if you will. So he's talking about the name of God. He says the name is uh, is displayed, the nature of God is displayed. Notice he says, thy splendor above the heavens, or greater than all that we see in our, if you look at the stars at night, you've probably seen that. It gets more of those intense lights, it's just thousands and thousands of stars that we can see from uh, at nighttime. From the mouth of infants, and nursing babes, thou hast established strength because of thine adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. And so it's saying, God has, from the moment of birth, in small children even, has put in strength. And if you think about it, uh, I think this is interesting. Um, children have great strength, they're extremely resilient. We have people, lots and lots of adults now that have been diagnosed with PTSD, and children go through events that are as traumatic or more traumatic than anybody else, and they don't get PTSD. Now, they may get problems, right? They may struggle, they may need counseling, you know, to go through and deal with those things, but they're extremely resilient. And then, like, for example, my wife, my wife was um, psychologically abused when she was a child, and she doesn't remember it. Never has remembered the events that took place. Doesn't need to remember. But that's what children do, right? They just forget. They forget. They say, well, you know, we do that too. We can have a mental block and like that. But not like children. They, they will play with their friends and their friend will poke them in the eye out of just sheer bitter meanness. And five minutes later, they'll play like nothing happened. As soon as they're done crying and getting, you know, we've cleared up, whatever, let's go play. You know? Whereas if, you know, you poke me in the eye like that, it's going to take me a few more minutes to get over it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it may take you a while to get over it. You understand what I'm saying? All right, so we adults are different, and we become like big, thick trees that don't bend. Does that make sense? So the wind blows, and then we have a tendency to break rather than to bend with the wind. And I think it's be better the other way. And some of us are like that, and in some ways we're like this. Probably all of us have it to some degree. Where you know, I can handle that when people do that, but I can't handle that when people do that. You know what I'm saying? But children can kind of pretty much whatever, you know? And and he's saying that there is great strength in the youth of mankind. And he says, because of thine adversaries, God has a lot of enemies. And the truth is there are a lot of humans who are enemies of God. But it's not only humans. There are spiritual enemies of God. Evil spirits and demons that are very real. And so God has real adversaries who are working against him. So he is ordered because of that. He says, that's why he ordained that strength in babes and children even, and I, I, I would submit to you it's supposed to persist in adults as well, to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Now, when he says the enemy, uh, the psalmist is talking about 
anyone who becomes God or his people, this surely includes even the evil spirits now in the greater context of the kingdom, right? Make them cease. Stop. Stop that. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, and so I submit to you, he's talking about the great glory of creation. See the amazing things that God has created. <coughs> talks about the moon and the stars, which God ordained. And ordained is an interesting word. It means that God spoke them into existence. Basically, He started them. He, he decreed that that would be the way it is. He says, what is man then? Considering everything that God has made, now people are like, oh, who's got to be the alien? You guys know um, Billy Graham, or Billy Graham, mm-hmm. right? Billy Graham was on the talk show, and one of the questions that the talk show host was dying to ask him was, did he believe in the possibility of aliens on another planet? Anybody know what his answer was? Have you ever seen a video of it? He said, probably. Think about it. How great and vast this creation that God has made. How far it goes. Millions and millions of planets and stars out there. Probably. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, you know, it's probably there. It's just by odds, probably. But what he said was, however, it would not change the fact that God himself ordained that it was humankind, our kind, that would have proper relationship with him. And he didn't use these words, but I'm going to use them now to paraphrase what he was saying. That God himself put the power and the strength in humans. He could have done it in animals or aliens, but he chose humans. And that's what the psalmist is queuing in. I'm sure he was thinking about aliens. But he says, when I consider all the amazing things that God has made, the moon and the stars which he ordained, what is man? Why, why man? That thou dost take thought of him. Why did God, if he's got a million, million planets, why did he choose our planet? Why did he start Adam and Eve on our planet? And of course, this is not an unanswerable question. The answer is love. Right? God loved God is love, wanted a being to have in a loving relationship, and so he created man. Yeah, and he created him in his image. And, and let's, I don't want to get, I want to clarify that because I say that and I know people have their baggage, right? When the Bible says that people were created in God's image, it doesn't mean that we were created to look like him, right? Because we don't look like him. That's why, you know, you can make a picture of Jesus. And depending on what country you go in, like his skin color is different, his hair color is different. People always kind of crack on that. But the reality is, Jesus didn't look like us. He was occidentally from the Middle East, right? So he was Middle East, from olive skin or whatever. So if you see, you know, blonde Jesus, that's not right. And so then to say God, you see, God is pictured as this old man in a white robe, and he has he's got white skin, you know, and fair and, and long flowing hair. That's all ridiculous. Like God doesn't wizard. look like that. Like he doesn't even. Yeah, he looks like Harry Potter. In his old age or something, right? And so, no, that's not what God is. God is spirit. That is more than what man is. But when the Bible says we were made to be in his image, it means we were made to represent him. Like if I want, if I, you know, I really fell in love with my friend Sam, and I wanted my friend Sam with me all the time, I could get a picture of him in my house that looks like my friend Sam. Or I could get a statue of him there. That would be an image of Sam. But when Sam comes around, that's really Sam, right? That's just an image of Sam. So I'm not God. We cannot be God, but we're made to represent God. And, and so we can love, and we can create, and we can destroy. We can do all of those things that God can do as his representative. Adam and Eve were supposed to represent him, and then boy did they do a poor job of it, right? But the point is, he says, what is man that thou dost take thought of? Why? Why? He's like amazed. You hear that in his voice. It's amazing. And the son of man that thou dost care for him. Why did God go to the length of sending 
Jesus to save us after what we did. You know, a couple of times, God was going to wipe out, in fact, in Noah's day, he wiped everybody out except for eight people. And then he was, a couple other times, he was going to wipe out mankind. And yet God relented of that destruction. And again, what is the reason? It's love, right? He gave it, and I've got to there's a time where I just whip my daughter and be like, I'll beat you, you know, because of the way you behave. And this is ridiculous. I never trained you to do that. Like, I'm going to beat you. But I don't. I might spank her, and I do spank. I believe in that. But the, but not overdoing it, right? You never hit a kid anywhere but on the bottom, and never with anything but your hand. And when they get too old to handle that, if you don't got control by them, you're out of luck. You know, it's, you, there, right? you can try some things, but you're pretty much done. But the point is, he says, that God was willing our ancestors to send us on down the road. And then, don't be confused, the psalmist knows the story of Daniel and the phrase, the Son of Man is talking about the Messiah, the Christ, the one that, that God would send. And so, he, the, the psalmist here is David, and he's pointing forward to what God was going to do through Jesus. And that question, why did you care so much? It's literally that. Wow. Yet thou hast made him a little lower than God, the Son of Man. Thou dost make him to rule over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Talk about the Son of Man and again, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one who would come. He says, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field. You ever think about how many sheep there are in the world? Or oxen in the world? How about crickets? Here, maybe too many crickets. But the point is, there's a lot of crickets, right? And so all of that is placed under the auspices of the Son of Man. Even though he is man. Even though he is tempted as all men are. Even though he was born into imputed sin, just as we are. Right now, he was not sinful. He never sinned. He never sin. But he had flesh. He was also 100% God, 100% flesh. Right? I mean, he did doctrine thing, but he was both. He was God in the flesh. And so, he had imputed sin. His body had sin. And that had to be dealt with just like ours had to be dealt with. He died a sinner's death to pay for our sin. And that's all because God cared. And because of that, it says his name is exalted above all, and he gets the rulership of all creation. It says in verse 8, we're almost done. The birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea, that's places that basically refer to things we don't even know. There are still animals being discovered in the ocean that men don't even know. And then they say that this or that is extinct, and then they find it in the ocean. Conversations, right? Whatever passes through the paths of the sea, and he says this, O Lord, our Lord, majestically thy name all the earth. Okay, so there's three things I want you to see, and, and he does a beautiful job of starting with it, how majestic is thy name, and then ending with it, how majestic is thy name, so it's poetic, it is a psalm, they would play it, sing it, this was actually written for the choir director back in the day, so they would sing it, alright? So the first thing I want you to see is in the phrase, O Lord, our Lord. If you're, if you're looking along in your Bible, you can see that the word Lord there is in all caps, and it means that it represents Yahweh. Okay, so it's Psalm 8, right? And I'm looking at verse 9 when I see it, it says the Lord, um, and, and the O Lord in the first part is in all caps. It's talking about Yahweh. The word Yahweh uh, can kind of be tra- kind of translated as like uh, the creator, God. He's the creator, God, right? Uh, and actually, I'm forgetting my Hebrew lessons right now. They might mean I am. The point is, he's the creator, God, and that's how they recognized him. And so we, we're seeing a dichotomy here. You know what that kind of is? It means it's something that has two sides that are opposed to one another, but then together they make an incredible point. He says, O Lord, our Lord, the Lord of the universe created everything, and 
there's a, a faith that's called deism. You may have heard of it. It's not Taoism. That's another thing. Deism says God created the whole universe and then he just let it spin. He's never done anything since then. He's not part of it. He didn't send Jesus. Um, I think it was Ben Franklin, one of the founding fathers of our country. I think it was Ben Franklin. Don't quote me on that, but it was Jesus. He cut out of his Bible everything that talked about Jesus because he wanted to believe that God did not interfere with the creation of the earth after the earth. Now, why would he want to believe that? Why would he want to believe that? Just think about the nature of a God that created him. How big is he? He was big, but I mean, so big, big isn't a good enough word. I mean, because he's gargantuan. You can't say like gargantuan like a million times to get close, right? So, infinitely big. So it's hard to fathom. Anybody here has ever seen the movie um, Princess Bride? Anybody? Okay, about half. Princess Bride is a movie. It's a, it's set in a fantasy setting. It's a comedy. It's funny, right? In that movie, there's this little short guy who's evil. And he's, a, he's a bad guy, as you can see. And he's been hired to um, steal and then assassinate the princess to start a war. Right? She's the good buttercup's her name. She's the good girl. She's the and then Vincini, as the the hero of the movie is following them to try to rescue her, he keeps saying, inconceivable, inconceivable. And finally, one of the guys says, you keep using that word. I do not think you mean, you know, it means what you think it means. There you go. I do not think it means what you think it means. And inconceivable is how big God is. <laughs> That's how big. So how powerful is God? Really powerful. Okay, in the New Testament, it talks about the gospel. It uses the word dunamis, which is a word for power. It says that there is power in the gospel, the truth of Jesus. And the word dunamis is where we get our word dynamite from. You know how powerful dynamite is? Dynamite at room temperature sweats. The sweat of dynamite is called what? Nitroglycerin. How powerful nitroglycerin is? Nitroglycerin is so powerful that a drop would blow up this entire room. You just drop it. So you gotta do it. It's a flat cap, just drop the impact, boom, the whole room blows up, we all get it. That's how powerful it is. It is the sweat of dynamite. You understand? That's how powerful dynamite is. That's how powerful the gospel is. Now multiply that by infinity, that's how powerful God is. Is there any word for it? Okay. This is why people look at the God of the universe and they want to believe he's so far away, he's so untouchable, he, we cannot have a relationship with him, he created the universe and there's no way that he's interacted with it after that because you take these millions of stars and they are to him like a speck of dust. Why would he bother with a million stars, let alone a human, right? So when we see the word Lord in all caps like that, when we think of the creator God, the natural extension of that is that God is far away and big and beyond and above and inconceivable in every characteristic, right? But notice he doesn't just say, oh Lord. He says, oh Lord, our Lord. Now that's different. That's the flip side of it. So if he's our Lord, right, if the Duke is in charge of the land that we live in and he's up on the hill, and you can see his castle all the time, and you can see his flag when he's in residence, right? You know they do that. All the royal places in England and stuff like that. When the monarch is in residence, the flag is up. But when the monarch is not in residence, they take his flag down and they put the flag of the nation up. The rest of the time, his flag is up, right? To show that he's in residence. Why? Because he's close by. So now, if you break the law, he's watching, right? So he's imminent. But when, he, when he's away... Eh, not as much. His minions are still there. People are still there. The court, the, the governors, or the, the knights, or the police, right? But the, the Duke is out. So, capital punishment, when the Duke is home, capital punishment is on the table, right? The police arrest you, and they come and they say, yeah, we caught him beating his wife in the street. The Duke says, you know what, I just had enough of you. 
to the guillotine. Now, we don't have much of that anymore, right? But it was like that. So when the Duke is in residence, he's imminent. Our Lord is close by. So the dichotomy of God that the psalmist is talking about is when I see grace, I think how amazing. Wow. Whoever made this, he's really big, really powerful. He's way above my understanding. That's fine. But then he says, but actually, he's imminent right here with us, right here with me, right here in the room. So he may be big and far away, but he's also right here. And we call this omnipresence. So he is distant, and yet he is present. Okay? And so the psalmist was impressed with that as he looked at creation, but then realized how much God cares about our everyday events. Okay? And so then that's our second thing. So we have, O Lord, big and far away, you are also near and present with us. Then he says, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. And so in other words, everywhere you go, God's name means something. We're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain. Like, uh, we shouldn't be saying, oh God, I dropped my hot dog. First of all, God already saw that you dropped your hot dog. He doesn't need you scolding him because you dropped your hot dog. You understand what I'm saying? It shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be taking the Ten Commandments. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. You say, well, that means Yahweh. So which one does it mean exactly? Is it Yahweh or Jehovah or Jehovah Jireh? Which of God's names are the specific names you're not supposed to take in vain? And if it's all of God's names, then it is, isn't it also the word God? Because that's how we talk to him, right? We call him God. Isn't it also Jesus? So we say, oh, Jesus Christ, someone said something bad about me, right? Or, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm having a bad day. If you're praying to Jesus, then it's appropriate to use his name. If you're saying you're taking his name in vain, then that's not so much. And here's the fact. This is what it says. It says that God's name is majestic. It has that regal power and authority in all the earth. Now, in uh, Acts, it tells a story of the seven sons of Sceva. Who were, they were rebuking demons and evil spirits and casting them out. They had been successful as exorcists. They were making good money. They were Jewish. They didn't believe in Jesus. But they were making good money casting demons out of people. And they went and they encountered a demon who was kind of stronger than the other demons that they had met before. It might have been one of those ones, like Jesus says, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting, which, of course, they weren't praying to God the way they should in the name of Jesus. They didn't recognize God. They probably didn't even have the right God. They just called themselves Jewish. And then they were not fasting in the right way to truly honor God. They were doing it to be seen by men or for whatever other reason. So they didn't have that under their belt. And so they run into this tough demon, and he said, you know what he said? They, were, they rebuked him in the name of God, in the name of Paul, in the name of Jesus. And they were having some success with that, casting out demons. But this demon says back, ah, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? I am going to tell you right now that every demon and evil spirit that has ever existed knows God, knows Jesus, and knows devout, devout followers of Jesus. Right? Because that's what Paul was. That's all Paul was. He wasn't anything more special than that. He was just a follower of God, and God invested in to help spread the word to the Gentiles, right? And so, that's me and you too, if you're truly a follower of Jesus. The name of God has power. It is majestic in all the earth. And I submit to you, it is majestic in all the heavenly realms. Which I submit to you, then, if you are truly a follower of God, your name is majestic in all the heavenly realms. Not like God's name, but like you belong to God. Right? And there's a ton of parables that Jesus uses in the New Testament about how God sends his servants as his representatives. There's a number of times in the Bible, Old and New Testament, where God sends his servants. And you know what they call the angel when he comes? 
Lord. He's a representative of God. He deserves that kind of respect. So we ought not to be slandering. We ought not to be slurring or misusing God, Jesus, or followers of God. And the problem with that is, do you know if somebody's a follower of God or not? Can a person be a follower of God and still have sin in their life? Absolutely. In fact, they all do, right? Hence the need for a Savior, right? So you can't look at a person's sin and say that person's not a follower of Jesus, and then you sit there and slander them about their sin. You can't even sit there and call them a liar. You know why? Because if they are a follower of Jesus, even though they lie, they're still not a liar. Because they have the righteousness of Jesus imputed by the sacrifice of Jesus. They have been, they, it cannot attach to them. It, it cannot be a title that applies to them. Because actually they're a righteous servant of God. Now they're doing what they shouldn't do. But Paul says this way, when I do what I shouldn't do, it isn't me, but sin in me that does it. Right? So if you're truly a follower of Jesus, you've been forgiven for your sins. And when someone slanders you, who's in the wrong? They are. Even if what they say about you is true. The, the name of the Lord is majestic in all the earth also means the names of the Lord's followers, true followers, and we can't determine who is and who isn't. I get that. So what do you, what do, you do? Don't slander anybody. Oh, by the way, what does the New Testament say about slander? Put it away. Right? Wrath? Put it away. Anger towards your brother? Well, it's like the sin of murder, and murderers will never inherit the kingdom of God. Put it away. Right? So we are so quick to recognize somebody else's sin and label them with it and slander them. Or we'll say, things didn't go the way I wanted it to go, and we'll get mad at God. We're so quick to do that. But the reality is, the authority is still there, and now you're a rebel. You failed to recognize the authority of God and his name by taking it in vain or by slandering his servants who represent him. Don't do it. Don't do it. So we have our Lord, who is also the Lord who created the entire universe, and his name... And Jesus' name, which is also God, and the names of his servants are essentially majestic. Now, we're not majestic like he is, but as his representative in all the earth. That's the second thing. <laughs> and the last thing, and what I love the most, the most powerful thing, is that he says that God put strength, established strength in babes and infants because, it says, of his adversaries. God made people strong. God made people right. If you are wrong now, it's not because God made you wrong. If you're messed up now, it's not because God made you messed up. When you came out of your mother's womb, you didn't have a single diagnosis. Except for, uh, it's a baby. You were diagnosed, it's a baby, it's a boy or it's a girl. That's it. That was your only diagnosis. Unless, of course, you did have what's called a congenital disease of some kind. And you could have had a diagnosis. Right? But even so, if you're here today, that means you had great strength to persevere over whatever congenital disorder you arrived here with. God has imbued people from the beginning with strength. Listen to me. You are strong. The world will lie to you. The world will deceive you and make you believe that you are not strong. But you were created strong from before the womb. From when you were a sperm and an egg, the moment of conception, God imbued in you great strength. Obviously, that's true because you've now persisted for a few decades, right? But the world wants you to believe otherwise so that you become a sort of sort of malleable, right? We are rebels against the rebel, and he wants us to join his cause. So he, so let's, let's assume for a moment. Are you familiar with the Civil War a little bit? You don't have to know the history necessarily, but we had a civil war in the United States of America, and there were some states that seceded from the Union, right? And Tennessee was uh, a state 
that seceded from the Union. However, there was a part of Tennessee that at the moment when that happened, they seceded from Tennessee. They said, no, we don't want to leave the country. That's crazy. We want to stay with the Union. Guess what happened immediately? The part of Tennessee that was seceding crushed the opposition amongst the part of Tennessee that wasn't and reunited the state and the entire state seceded from the Union and became a real state. Follow. The rebel wants nothing more than to bring in line, first of all, anybody that's on the fence. Somebody's running for office. What do they do? First part of running for office is get out the vote. You go find anybody that's thinking about not voting because they haven't made up their mind, and you get them to come out and vote for you. The rebel wants us to join his cause. Failing that, he wants us to think that we, cannot, we are not strong enough to resist his cause. Right? The last thing he wants you to do is to join God's cause. So anything but that. So the easiest course of making sure that you don't join God's cause is to make you think it doesn't matter which side you're on. You're not strong enough to make a difference on either side. You're not going to tip the way, right? Uh, when people don't vote, what is the number one, number one reason people say they don't vote? It isn't because they're busy, because they don't have time to take care. It's because they don't think their vote counts. I'm just one person. One or many people are going to vote, whatever. I don't know what the numbers are. But lots of people are going to vote, and my vote doesn't count. But your vote does count, right? And it counts when you pick the side that you're supposed to be on. So little side note on voting, by the way. I do recommend doing that. And I suggest you pray before every vote and let God tell you what to vote. Don't vote as a Democrat or Republican. Or just pray. Oh, God, now that's already often. Now, the point is, the rebel who's rebelling against God needs all the recruits he can get. Why? Why is he so panicked to get everybody on his side, if he possibly can, or to confuse people and manipulate them into staying out of the fight. No, why? Absolutely. Because God imbued in people the strength necessary to do what? Let's read it. It's beautiful. He says, From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, thou hast established strength because of thine adversaries. Listen to this. Make an enemy and the revengeful cease. God will one day put a permanent end to the devil, to evil spirits, to any ministry of any evil, wicked person who stands against him. Now, anybody that joins the wrong side, he will one day put a permanent end to that. And it isn't going to be pretty. But that being said, who's got the power now? Would you like that? Would you chill? Who's got the power now? We do. Why? Because he put it there. So, yes, he created an incredible creation so big that I couldn't create a star. I can't create a star or a black hole. I, I can't even move the... Have you ever stand in the ocean and try to change the direction of the waves? You can't do it. We were at Kalahari and the waves were washing up because we had to go to the annual meeting. The waves were washing up and Ariana was afraid of the waves. I could push her over because she didn't weigh much. And so I tried to sit in front of her. You know what happened? Nothing. I, I totally blocked her, completely blocked her. I thought I'd make a wave break. It didn't change a thing. And this was a five-foot wave pool, 40-foot back. The ocean is way more than that. We can't do anything. But in God, we can do everything. He imbued us with the power to make the enemy cease. When poverty sets in, you can do something about that. When a person is lacking encouragement, you can do something about that. When a pe person feels like a piece of dirt, there's nothing you can do to make a difference in the world, you can do something about that. You can lift people up. You've been given power by God to bring to bear to make the enemy cease. There is real evil in the world. All it takes is for good men to do nothing, and that real evil will triumph. Why is that true? Because the power to make them cease in this lifetime has been given to people. God did that. 
right? Now, we don't have any power outside of God, nor does the devil, nor does the evil spirits. None of them have any power. If God says, stop and stop, if God says, you don't have any power, you don't have any power, you're done. You try to resist him, you'd be crushed like a bug. Not a bug, I don't know, like a, uh, a super microscopic organism that's like one gazillion the size of God, whatever number that is. So, we don't have any power to resist God, except, guess what? If you join the enemy side, that's exactly what you're trying to do. And so what will happen? Those who choose to serve God, they will have the power to make you cease. That's what it says. And ultimately, God will put it to a once and for all end. There will be no resistance. Praise the Lord for our God. Praise Him because He is the great creator of the universe, but He is close and committed to us. He loves us. He cares for us. He is with us. His name, Jesus' name, don't take it in vain. It is majestic in all the earth. And so is ours if we are walking with Him and standing with Him. And even when we get it wrong, we should not be slandered or slurred against because instead we should be held accountable. We should be admonished. They don't do that. That's not good for you. The first you say you live for. And then lastly, notice that the power, the strength that God has placed, and where has He placed it? In us. When you went to school, right? When you became well educated. When you collected your fortune, that's when you had your power, right? When you became beautiful, that's when you had your power, right? When you spoke up and made a good Bible argument, that's when you had your power, right? When you built a big family, that way. When you moved into the right neighborhood, you got your power when you were able to call that. God has been dealing with mankind by that one method since mankind is here. Let's pray together and Lord in heaven, I just thank you for being this kind of gracious God. I think he's powerful with more resources and more presence and more holiness and more uh, awesome character of all kinds than we could possibly imagine. You are inconceivable. And we do really know what that enough to know that you are Jesus. You love us. You desire a proper relationship with us. You want us to be walking on the highway of holiness and living for you and, and exercising this power that you've been giving us to change the world around us the best. United. United as believers. United as people who, who follow you the kingdom of God because maybe the enemy sees that may or may not happen in our lifetime at some point in that that world that Jesus would be of those enemies that uh, we fear the most his power is among us he did all of those things and then he came back to life as a testimony to us that we would join him for lack of a better way of saying it's of a battle that still rages Lord, I pray that we would be a bold people willing to walk into difficult situations and for you to hear us in your name that our very message call out to you, not as a cursed word, not as a somehow comfort for the dark parts of our soul, not as an invitation to evil spirits to come in and comfort us curse someone or we are angry with at that moment, but we would call out to you to exercise your power and your strength in us and it's something different than what we've done. So we flesh with self. Lord, we just great. No, we won't be great like you're great. We understand the fact that you're exactly. You will always be above us. Thank you for listening to this message from the Southside Life Station. This has been Pastor Daniel Stevenson, who is director of the Life Station. And I hope you enjoyed and perhaps grew through this experience. You can look the Life Station up online on Facebook at Life Station Toledo. The at sign Life Station Toledo. Check us out on our website at lifestationtoledo.com, lifestationtoledo.com. If you need to contact the Life Station directly, you can call 419-242-3340 or email overcomingevil at bex.net. 
they are always in need of donations, volunteers, recruiters, shoppers, and more. Thank you and God bless you.